podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The national team is stronger than Juventus, remember? A fan had written to Craig Brown at the beginning of May with one simple question. Why do you not pick Richard Gold for Scotland? Incredibly, he got a response, signed by the Scotland manager himself on SFA-headed paper. Brown had compared the Champions League hammering with Scotland's two games against Italy, in which Gough didn't play during the qualifying campaign for the World Cup in 1994. Rangers had lost eight goals, while Scotland had conceded just three. Rangers had lost to Ike Athens, while Scotland had beaten Greece twice in qualification for the European Championships, which were now imminent. Goff, Brown said, played 35 times with Andy Roxburgh and myself with the national team, and we won just 11 of those games. Without him, we've played 18 games, and we've still been able to win 11 of them. Football, from the man who prepared his team for the opposition based on tip-offs from a taxi driver, was a simple matter of deduction. The style of the schoolteacher reigned supreme. To discuss Richard Goff, Scotland, and an incredibly exciting and entertaining denouement to the season 95-96. I'm joined by Andy McGowan. How are we doing, Andy? Doing great. Getting to the business centre here. I'm standing like this now. Yeah, it's, been, it's been a good one, it's been a good one. And from Athens, John Cowden. Good evening, John. Good evening to you both. This hopefully is one of the better episodes, shall we say. Lots to get through, as always, in this season. But but yeah, there's uh, plenty of action to, to enjoy. Can we just talk about Scotland first? Because it's something that we've touched upon briefly, but never really delved into. But I think probably now's the time... Um, to do that, we've got Euro 96 on the horizon. I'm picking this episode up March um, 1996. Richard Goff is in the best form he's been in for years and he will not get a game because of what he wrote about Andy Roxburgh in his book which, a couple of years before that. Um, Scotland had two Collins, Hendry and Calderwood, and they were steady, reliable options, but I think to dismiss the experience uh, and form of golf, I don't think Scotland were in a position to do that quite entirely. And then you've got other positions. Tosh McKinley and Tom Boyd have had a good season for Celtic, but not as good as David Robertson has been. I think that would be incredible to suggest otherwise, but Robertson can't really get a look in. He makes a decision himself by saying, you know what, if I'm not going to play, don't worry about it. And then Brown's ridiculous handling of Andy Gorham and Jim Layton. Still didn't know who was going to be number one at this tournament. Uh, and Brown said, no one will know until an hour and a half before the kickoff of our first game in England at Villa Park. Um, that's when the decision would be made public. To decide between two of the best keepers in Europe is not easy. You really are looking at a high level of excellence here. I only wish we had the same kind of competition in all the other areas of the team. Uh, the final line there, as inspirational as ever. Um, in truth, it was nowhere near as close. It must have just been loyalty that Brown felt to, to Leighton um, because Gorham was back to his brilliant best. 47 games played that season. Um, add this to the handling of Duncan Ferguson and the whole litany of issues with Sunnis, basically uh, with the Sunnis arrival um, with Rangers um, at loggerheads, Andy, with the SFA. Um, this 
tension was 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 really increasing and increasing and increasing. Rangers, the only Rangers players that could probably be guaranteed a game, a starting place, were the kind of industrial ones, Stuart McCall, Gordon Jury, for example. Um, and maybe we've got a, a opportunity here where this um, relationship can at least be allowed to break, and maybe Paul Gascoigne is the excuse, or at least a convenient reason for that. Vilified by the fourth estate from his immediate arrival um, Rangers fans I think saw a need to protect him and to be defensive of him, they saw maybe a vulnerability there um, Loudrop I mean, Rangers have got two gods here really Loudrop could never be their representative he's too perfect there's never a word out of place, never made a pass um, but Gascoigne I think was was their god um, he was them on the pitch, imperfect, rash, vulnerable, uh, and therefore maybe that affinity was was, was tighter. Um, Jeremy McNee is leading the line, really, of the, the press pack. Uh, this is from March the 3rd in the Sunday Mail. The Gascoigne signing remains a gamble, yeah, he wrote, um, and one which could blow up in Rangers' faces, but in fairness to the player, he's scoring vital goals for them. Yeah, he says in fairness, as if he was bringing out a point of, of clever nuance that wasn't absolutely obvious to everybody that was following the game every week um, you have these this tension between the two men I think is maybe playing out something greater and with this Wembley thing, this Scotland England match on the horizon it's, I don't think any coincidence Andy that the Rangers song that we chose to serenade Gascoigne with um, isn't a kind of contemporaneous chart rip off or any other terrace chant really, it's the old Negro spiritual the unofficial anthem of the England rugby team, um, Swing Low Sweet Chariot um, for some Rangers fans it was Albion over Alba that summer Yeah, so the disconnect between Rangers support and the Scottish national team obviously took a, a kind of quantum leap in the, the soonest years because of the things you've covered there but at this point you know, Craig Brown was a school teacher, and you're right, we felt very, very protective of Gascoigne, and that kind of changed the dynamic completely because going into, going into 96, Euro 96, you know, I had no doubt in my mind that I wanted Scotland to get beat by England and for Gascoigne to actually make them suffer. That was really where I was at because, you know, people that make me the general. The general mood music around Gascoigne in Scotland was so negative and uh, pejorative that you know I, we, we want, I wanted him, and I think most Rangers fans wanted him to to do something special. Um, ninety-two, I think you know ninety-two when we had McPherson showing up well, Goff showing up well, we had McCoy. That, that was probably the final time that I ever felt any affinity with the Scotland team in a, in a tournament or at any time to be quite honest with you. Um, Aye, if you're asking me to support Paul Gascoigne or Scotland, there was no question where I was going to go. I'll be, we can play our cards on the table. I was the same, I was what, 15. Um, and like you, I think 92 was the last, you know, I had the Scotland top and uh, Scotland top in 1990 and Mexico 86 and, and, and whatever. Um, but that, that's probably the last time I, I felt a kind of connection. Um, I think Gascoigne, as I said, maybe an excuse for it. I, I don't know, but he, he became emblematic of 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 this growing tension that Rangers were just far far more important. Um, the the 
hatred towards Rangers. I, I guess you, as a teenager, when you're starting to um, kind of come of age, you, you start to, to feel, again, protective and, and defensive over that. Um, and I'm just, I'm not sure the two can coexist particularly well. And I don't think it's a Rangers and Scotland thing, by the way. I've spoken to fans of big clubs, basically, from, you know, in England, Manchester United, Liverpool, and, and, and in Europe as well. Uh, and it was a very acute for Manchester United, probably around this time, actually getting into the, the 2000s. Um, they're producing this generation of players for the England team, but so much of English football is anybody but United. And it's like, well, why? How, how can we, we merge with these people who, who obviously hate the club? And there was a bit of that with, with Rangers as well. And and yeah, um, I just had enough of, of Rangers players just not really getting a look in. Um, John, I know this goes back a fair bit further for you yeah uh, I'm an early adopter I think the last time I supported Scotland in any real shape or form was maybe 78 and after that yeah they, they were just a joke I mean Rangers in Scotland actually in the early 80s were going down a similar path mm. except Scotland embraced it and turned it into we're losers and we're proud of it and Rangers didn't like losing and eventually turned it around. But the treatment all the way through, even get back to Derek Johnson in the 78 World Cup, um, it just, it never grated. And I think there was a time in that 80s where there was fewer and fewer Rangers fans going to the games and it became a lot more anti-Rangers, you know, Scottish in that anti-Rangers way. And yet when you're watching, say, Northern Ireland and England through this thing and then you Terry Butcher, you know, you do see not just the team, but the fans have a kind of similar philosophy in terms of we're here to win it. Even if we're rubbish, we still expect to take home the trophy and we're furious if we don't. So that kind of resonated. And then when the Jordan Hill Mafia took over, you know, Roxburgh and Brown and all of that, you just... There's no passion in it. I was praying at this point that he actually would pick Leighton over Gorham. I, I mean, I, I didn't want any Rangers player in the team because I wanted them to get absolutely slaughtered because I don't want to see a Rangers player play badly. I don't want to see them be humiliated or slated. So I'm hoping that none of our players get a game. You know, and, that, and on the other side, when McCoy scores that goal against Switzerland... I'm, I'm quite happy for, for McCoist, not necessarily for Scotland, but I'm shouting abuse at Brown in the inter- as I'm watching the, the England-Netherlands game, saying, see what happens if you'd actually pick the best players. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I, I don't have any emotional attachment, and I feel sorry for people maybe of my generation, older generation, younger generation, who want to be Rangers in Scotland. I include my father, and there's one or two other podders around. And I get where they are, but I just can't bring myself even now to even get warmed up or really be in any way interested in them at all. So, yeah, not quite the most balanced point for it. No, it's, it's, it's probably not. But it it represents something because at this time you were at Rangers games, you're seeing not loads, but you're seeing some England tops. Gascoigne on the back. Um... I don't know if I've shared it on this pod before, probably have, uh, but, but for the, uh, the the home international against England, 
um, tickets would come through clubs traditionally. You would, the same way you would apply for away tickets, you would apply through the club for Wembley. Um, or, or I think Hamden as well, just any any of the, 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 two, the two grounds. And, you know, Rangers used to get quite a, a substantial allocation for that, but demand for that. Um, and then after Sunnis came, that went that went down significantly, and I think Andy, I don't know if we spoken about this offline or, or or on one of these pods, but I think you you talked about the bandwidth that Rangers supporters had available to them after nineteen eighty six, and there wasn't room for both. Certainly in a passionate way, certainly in a, a kind of committed way. Um, if you go back to Tynecastle in February eighty seven, a huge and hugely important win on on the road to to that title. Rangers won five two. But you hear the Hearts fans singing Flower of Scotland. Now, I don't believe that was in any way um, a kind of positive reinforcement of, of, of their Scottishness. This was antagonistic. It was it was basically saying, we are, we're a Scottish club, you no longer are, because you have these three Englishmen, plus Sunas who wishes he was English anyway. And it's very different. And you're not us anymore. And I think you've got something changing. I think John's right. There's there's um, a further genesis to this, but clearly, and Sunis is constant war footing with the Scottish Football Association, the Scottish League, the the press, and the Scottish Football Establishment paints Rangers into a an absolutely separate corner. I think, um, and rolling all the way back, I think international football. If you're going to do it properly, if you're going to go, or if you're going to go to the pub even and, and watch it as part of a community and do it properly where you can hug each other, you can go wild at goals and, and whatever, you have to park your club feelings at the door on the way in because it can't work otherwise because you're all together. And we're we're talking about 1996 at the moment where we have a player absolutely vilified. I, I say that, that that relationship has, has gotten worse perhaps over the years maybe it's turned a corner of, of late with, with younger fans I don't know um, but it, I guess it's the Lee Griffiths test really if you're a Scotland <laughs> fan in Hamden that day um, was that 2017 um, or you're in the pub or, or whatever and he scores those two goals if you're going to do it properly going absolutely nuts and cheering the hero if you're a Rangers fan, you have to part that at the door in order to do that, in order to, to share that moment with people who want your club dead, um, to celebrate a player who'll tie scarves around the goalposts and, and, and whatever else. And it's a huge bit of cognitive dissonance that fans have to go through. And again, I don't think this is what well, isn't purely Rangers in Scotland. It's definitely Manchester United in England. It's definitely Liverpool in England. Uh, and there are clubs throughout Europe uh, as well that they're just too big too big to, 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 to exist, coexist with the national team in a way that, that, that once that, that was no problem. Does that, that really make any sense? But it's certainly coming to the boil here in 1996, I think. Oh, you're absolutely spot on, man. I, I, I thought the Lee Griffiths test was something else completely different, but we'll not go there. <laughs> the, um, the, the, we have got to remember is that we became an, an Anglo club 
in nine eighty six when Sunas came because it was just it just became an extension. The English players you remember there was barely an English player in Scotland at that point and here we are signing Terry Butcher. So it just became an extension of the you know the Union flags because the England support at that point were still running about Union flags. It wasn't the St George's flag that they had at that point. So it started there, as you see, and everything you've said is absolutely bang on. We became bigger than anything the Scottish national team could ever serve up, including World Cups. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, at the same time, the, the kind of rocketing antagonism towards Rangers from every corner of Scottish society. Uh, and we're kind of, we became an enclave to ourselves. So I, I, I could not break bread with anybody is booing Ryan Jack uh, or wanted the club dead as you said so it's just moved through then and it's became embedded you've, you've probably got a point in that has it reversed a wee bit recently has there been a softening in it I don't know I certainly don't feel it and I think there might be for younger a, young, a younger yeah. generation and yeah. us man I think there has been um, for, for me actually it, it got worse wind this on two years in the World Cup warm-up game. Um, Denmark played at Ibrox. Denmark played Scotland at Ibrox, if, if you remember. And Loudrop was getting booed all the way. All, all, in yeah. just about every stand. Stuff like, like that. You know what, you've just, yeah, th- th- this isn't for me. Fascinating thing. I remember speaking to Professor Graham Walker about the, the sectarian issue because there's a, a chapter on, on that in the, in the book. We're just talking about songs being sung and obviously you, the sash, Derry's Walls, all these favourites for years and years and years. But it was only, yeah, maybe the 1980s, 90s, um, where you're getting Real Britannia, for example. Um, yeah. And and that being, a, 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 I guess, an emblem, because it's it, it's making a point, it's making a bigger point to, to, to the wider Scottish football and public that, that, that you think we are different. Well, well, we'll wear that badge then. And there's a bit of pantomime Just, for that, there's a bit of performative nature of it, but, you know, people are happy to do it. Scotland and England game had disappeared as well, and I think that's a factor. So yeah. I think the last game, you know, the end of season game that had became a nineteen became a nuisance and you know, players were tired and so forth. I think that took a wee bit of the reminder to football supporters of the old enemy as it was. And that certainly contributed to the overall kind of distancing for I think Celtic as well, you know, they started pointing towards the Irish national team and they had a resurgence. Yeah. So yeah. It was a strange time in terms of the, the dynamics towards the national team. I think that's a, a really fair point. You'll see Celtic tops everywhere at Italia 90, for example, when the Republic are playing same in the World Cup 94. And maybe, kind of taking on from John's point, this is where Scotland is maybe more and more um, or, uh, populated with the Scotland support, Tartanami especially, um, by a wide range of clubs, which means clubs that are not used to winning <laughs> because it's not the old firm they're, they're going effectively in their separate ways um, anyway let's get back to the football um, Rangers and Celtic having a wee tickle in the transfer market as we go into March um, Eric Bo Anderson's 13 goals um, for Alborg in the first 20 games of the, the Danish Superliga was enough to persuade Walter Smith to spend 1.2 million at the end of February um, this is in addition to an earlier signing in November of Derek McInnes from Morton and um, Teo Snelders would, would come from Aberdeen right at the end of March um, 
with Celtic in mind, it looked like they hadn't learned their lessons from Mo Johnson because they were parading um, the Portuguese striker um, Jorge Cadet at Parkhead under the assumption that, that no transfer fee would be required. Um, yes, it did. That meant a lot more negotiations as Fergus McCann was going to be kind of forced to fork out for that deal. Um, so it was a few more weeks before he was finally registered with the SFA. Uh, one day too late in order to be eligible for the Scottish Cup semi-final, which just so happened to be against Rangers. Um, Fergus McCann sent a letter to the SFA thanking them for their help and assistance in completing the signing before furiously venting, of course, in the Celtic view uh, that it was Chairman Jim Farry who held up the deal by that crucial day. Um, regardless, he wouldn't make Hamden, but there was another league encounter to negotiate before that. Um, Ibrooks, the final um, league game of the season, or old firm league game of the season. Um, maybe, yep, some, some late drama, as we've had before, but maybe less raucous than some of the others. Um, we had a minute silence in this one, but it was impeccably observed. Uh, Scotland's showpiece sporting event took place at the end of a week of national mourning. Rangers played Celtic in the shadow of a gunman. Um Dumblain um, massacre took place on the Wednesday. Um, the start of this week, if you if you look at the coverage, building this up to be the, you know the the, the battle of all battles because Rangers could effectively end this if Celtic win puts it right back in the balance. They they draw level. Um, Walter Smith was filling up his car at the start of the week. Um, the attendant said, "You're ready for Sunday?" Yes, Smith replied, "You'd better be." Um, this obsession with, of course. 9 and 10, um, just overwhelming everybody, uh, but by the end, the language is tempered dramatically, um, and there's a bit of perspective uh, on the, the, the game itself. Um, the game itself, John, Rangers won, Celtic won, um, as I said, it was all right, Rangers not anywhere near at full strength um, you get Craig Moore at right back we don't have anyone else right wing back John Brown deputising for Goff um, Gascoigne's still running the show he's blowing fake cigars in the face of Jackie McNamara who gets sent off later in the game for two really needless bookings um, an in-swinging free kick of I don't know how he does it because he's going to do corners like that in, in a game later on. There's such height and dip that it just takes everybody out apart from his target. The target's Alan McLaren in this case, just a wee nudge. Um, just needed to just caress the ball with his head. This was right before half time. Um, but three minutes remaining, Rangers have got their hand, I think, on a 46 league championship. Uh, but then John Hughes escaped Alan McLaren for quite a simple header. Significant for me, John, is that Rangers. You know, a draw suits us better than it suits Celtic, but we didn't just dig in and see out the last few minutes. Front foot again. Stuart McCall hits the bar um, from a Gascoigne corner. McCoy blazes one wide and high um, when it was a really good chance to finish it um, again from a Gascoigne pass. Um, but I suppose... Both sets of fans that day went home relatively happy. The the title's still in the balance and that week more than any other was a reminder that life does go on. Yeah. I don't think leaving there that we actually saw as Rangers fans that the title was in the balance. Um, you know, we wanted to win. I think by now given their propensity for dropping points when we drop points, 
and their inability to take advantage of our shortcomings occasionally through through these things. I, I think we know, and I mean, even this game. I mean, it, it's a typical kind of Burns is Celtic kind of frantic, a little bit frenetic. People build them up with a silky football or whatever, but. Really, if any team was going to deserve to win on whatever statistical facts, it was us. And and you we just you always feel you have it until you don't, which we'll come to in a season or two. But at this point you always feel you've got it. You know, we have we have the quality. I mean, Gascoigne is having one of the great seasons. Uh, and it's not as if he's doing it on his own. You know, everybody else is pitching in. There's more consistencies we've talked about. I mean, the striking thing when I was looking back at this, and I didn't know it was this game, is when we're lined up to come out the tunnel in this game. Yeah. And McStay comes out in his own, and he's looking very lost and sheepish. Yeah. And I think it's one of our guys is like... McCoy's. The rest are not coming. Yeah. And it just, that epitomises, I think, the two mindsets of the team's. We're confident, we're together, we're going for it, and they're kind of... I don't think they actually believe that they should be there or at that level. And when you look at the two teams, I mean, is there anywhere in the pitch where they have a player that you might say, well, we wish that we had him in the team? Maybe Van Hoydonk at a push, but the rest of them? I don't think so. I mean, and it's quite... And it's quite typical for us this season, isn't it? We get in a good position and we think our oh, job's done, switch off, mm. lose a stupid one and then move back through the gears again. I think that going back through the gears again, Andy, I, I, I'd almost forgotten that because the, the, the Walter Smith kind of playbook, again, we're in the ascendancy, they, they, they need to win really. Um, a draw is, is fine. Um, but I think it's really, sick. I think it's telling that, that we're like, well, that's annoying. That's a real pain in the arse. We've got three minutes plus injury time. Let, let's go and try and grab this again. I think that that shows confidence. Hubris, maybe. I mean, we spoke about this in previous episodes where we kind of felt so superior to them that we could have what we would consider a slip up. So this was a slip up by any standard. You know, we're one nothing up. We were doing it to ten men, weren't they? And uh, yeah. And, they, and, and we don't win the game or don't see the game out. So you always felt as if we were always going to be them over the course of a season. As it turns out, you know, I think, you know, one old firm, title, uh, old, old firm game either way kind of decided it ultimately. Mm. But I don't know. I just think we were too full of ourselves, to be honest. But there was some justification in it. We just knew that we were going to have enough to get past them whether it was to step up a gear or whatever. I don't know, man, but I remember at the time thinking, it was a kind of shrug of the shoulders, opportunity to loss, but yeah. another day and the chances are they'll cock up at some point as well. So uh, that's my recollection of how, how we felt at the time. Yeah. A bit relaxed. Well, we were, what, three points and a superior goal difference, 13 ahead, so effectively four points ahead, seven games to go. Maybe balanced with the fact that of the seven games, we've got four away, um, and they don't. Um, it was assumed that there'd be a few more twists and turns, and 
that's how it proved almost immediately. Uh, Rangers were two up at home to Falkirk, playing great stuff. Uh, another individual masterclass from Gascoigne and Loudrop, but then I think we came out in our slippers, caught cold. Um, ended up winning 3-2. Eric Bo Anderson scored his first goal for the club, um, just ensuring that, that cushion. Um, but it was nervy in the end, uh, unnecessarily so, but another Celtic stalemate, this time away at Motherwell, gave Rangers a five-point lead that evening. Surely that was that. But um, the next weekend, it starts Park. Cody, um, seven minutes remaining. It's still technically all back in the balance. Rangers are 2-1 ahead. Uh, oh, sorry, Wraith Rovers are 2-1 ahead, and Rangers are floundering a bit. Um, a bit of a chaotic game, a couple of penalties involved, and then another high-looping um, spinning Gascoigne corner finds McCoyce in the six yard box 2-2 the same combination strikes goal with a minute to go and Rangers win the game um, Andy there's so many moments of this season that's why these shows have been so long that are packed with interest and and, and little turns here and there um, so it's I think it's understandable that some uh, underrated moments kind of slip through the gap of 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 those that collective memory, but this is an important Saturday afternoon, um, and I think this one gets forgotten because Celtic go and they, they play Aberdeen on the Monday night. They win five nil, um, but in terms of you know momentum shifting one way or the other, um, we were really bad that day, but we still come through. I'd forgot completely about this um, and, and the McCoy's hat trick. I suppose it's only natural that when you look back on big title victories that you look at the, the big games but and amongst that as you say Martin there's these games that have very fine margins and it's when you overcome that day of poor form or circumstance or refereeing decisions or whatever it is that when you overcome them they can add up to the inches that take you to, towards the, the clinching um, I was at this game so this is why I'm surprised I forgot yeah. about it is this, is this the game? This must have been the game where you've got the famous McCoyst and Gaza kiss. No, funnily enough, someone asked. Someone asked. Um, I think it was. Uh, I think it was Are Callum. you sure, Martin? I am absolutely sure. Someone asked That's us on the thread last week. I think it was Callum. It's on the end of season video. Is this? Is this where they have a kiss? And because we're on the Harlequin strip, we didn't use it very often. It didn't take place at Starts Park. It took place at Tanadice. It took place against Inverness, Caledonian Thistle in the quarterfinal of the Scottish Cup. Another game against a Highland League club that was moved for safety and, and tickets <laughs> or whatever. Um, and we won 3-0. McCoy scored the second. Um, Gascoigne comes over and it's the most tender, lingering little kiss. But yeah, that's again in the Harlequin red and white strip. It's, it's at Tanadice that day. I did watch it back just to be absolutely sure. Um, McCoy, you couldn't, you couldn't catch McCoy um, when he, he he scored that winner um, because he, he was all over to Archie Knox and Walter and, and the, the the bench and because it's proper dramatic stuff. But yeah, it's funny how the the, the, the memory conflicts just because of the the, mind. the strip. It's just we don't. You know why it's off. there though, Martin. If you watch the end of season video, have they, cut they it? have it in the middle of it. They, they have it in this race Rovers game. They have Gascoigne sitting on top of McCoy and giving him a kiss. Yeah, they, they splice quite yeah, a bit they, in that. They've obviously signed in a different one or whatever, but that's why people think yeah. it comes up at the end of the season video or whatever. It's quite, annoying that, it's quite annoying that end of season video because they 
they do a lot of those montages and still instead of just giving the games their place the way that they they, they used to the, the the start of 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 this run um so that it does it is quite annoying but no it, it's it's it tanadise for the cali game anyway celtic won five nil it might be out fair to argue that if rangers had slipped up that Celtic wouldn't have played with that freedom and expression against Aberdeen, mind you, it's Aberdeen, um, and they would have, you know, slipped up themselves when when this opportunity to strike arose, um, because it's fair to say that because that's exactly what happened next in the league. Rangers' next league game was in Gorgie, um, through to play Hearts. Rangers were garbage. It's a Wednesday night. Um, again, this Jim Jeffrey side, youthful on the way up. Um, Great value for their 2-0 win. Very comfortable. Celtic yet again failed to make it count. In fact, they needed a very late goal themselves from Pierre van Hooydonk to even get a point at home to Kilmarnock. Now, these two fixtures we talked about last week, Rangers being defeated 3-0 at home uh, by Hearts and Celtic drawing 0-0 at Rugby Park. You can kind of understand, oh, a, a freak opportunity has arisen, um, but they're away from home. You know, away, away games are difficult. Still, I'm Scotland. Um, same for Rangers. But in, in those days, you know, the trips were trips were tricky. There's no excuse at home. There is just no excuse for Celtic at all. Um, and it's a four point lead. It should have been two. Um, that one may say could have again fueled that that belief. Um, but. It just fueled Rangers' belief further, um, with only one kind of awkward game left. Maybe the reason why there wasn't that carbon copy of, uh, or there was that that, that that carbon copy of what we see in the winter, um, was because Celtic were very dejected by the time that Kilmarnock game came. Rangers were very, let's say, flat by the time that Hearts game came, because in the weekend it was the Scottish Cup semi final. Loudrup spotted Robertson again. And he tried to steer it, McCoy's must score! Rangers take the lead, the holders are behind. Jury, oh, Loudrup has sprung clear. Brian Loudrup past Marshall. And Rangers feel they've got one foot in the final. Okay, um the final iteration, the sixth game, and probably the worst, to be honest, in terms of the quality of football. Um, pundits everywhere were just assuming Celtic would would, would finally do this. Um, only a fool would ever predict the outcome of an old firm game, so I'm taking Celtic to win 1-0 at Hamden this afternoon. Wrote our good friend Jeremy McNee that morning. I don't think they'll need luck this afternoon because they're playing well enough to overcome their great rivals at last. Um, Gaza cut a brief pre-match chat with Radio Clyde short, uh, refused to talk to them until they got rid of McNee. And the following week's column was entitled Kiss Off Gaza, uh, as McNee counted the names of the big icons of Scottish football had taken issue with him, but they were no longer around. He said, whenever you're ready to go home, Paul, I'll be glad to oblige with a one-way ticket before going on to lend his support to Hearts in the final. And he wrote, as I write, Greg Norman is chasing the Masters title. His record there is as heartbreaking as the jam tarts and Scottish majors. Norman and Hearts for a double lead me to a friendly bookmaker quickly. Well... Both would crumble in the end. Um, the semi, as I said, wasn't the best, Andy. Um, Celtic were very predictable in possession. I thought we were more intelligent. We were clamping their width. That was the secret to 
Celtic success, I say success very much inverted commas, their improvement that season. Um, we did very well on that. Um, McCoy made amends um, because he, he really messed up a good opportunity after only 17 minutes. He didn't pass the second one by. Um, Rangers sitting in so deep in that second half, inviting the pressure. Uh, Martin Tyler was on Sky. Rangers haven't pushed out very far and they're inviting more pressure, but it's something I think we were increasingly comfortable with. Um, there's a throw in Cleland throws the ball to Gascoigne this is deep inside the Rangers half and not for the first or last time we'll see it in the cup final it's an exhibition of what this Rangers side could do so lethally um, less than 8 seconds it took from Gascoigne's chest uh, one touch from him one touch from Loudrop one touch from Jury um, a chest control as the Great Dane took possession back and then that final touch just to lift the ball over Marshall Um ended the, sh- the game as a contest, they'd get a, a late consolation, but um, what it did start was Sky's penchant f- at the time for showing Celtic fans, young and old, crying in the stands, and it was always great to see. Um, I think this this game, more than any other, has an impact going forward, because you, you just can't rely on the law of averages anymore, it's not about that. Um, Rangers just have something different. Not at their best, um, but they've just got two players on a totally different stratosphere. And when the rest of the team unit is solid and secure, they're not really going to do it. And I think it deflates Burns. Uh, this is his last chance, really, realistically, of success. Um, I think they expected after they won the Scottish Cup the year before that they would push on, and you know they didn't. He, he's Kind of, he's kind of shell shocked after it. Speaking to Davey Provenance guy, I don't feel we deserve to lose that game. Uh, I don't. At the same time, I don't think we deserve to win it. But I definitely felt we deserve to take something from it. Uh, presumably, he meant a replay rather than a point from a <laughs> cup tie. But there's just this kind of incoherence. He then goes on to suggest that Loudrop was offside for the second goal. He wasn't, um, and assuring the media that Celtic would would take the title to the last day. He's scrambling around that day, and I don't think he recovers from this one more than any of the other five that, that, that season No, this this really took the wind out of their sails because I remember the build up to this game and there's that wee inner voice that, because you're right man all the noise was that Celtic were going to do something because so this was the sixth game sixth six old firm yeah. game this season had anyone so I uh, and, and I remember thinking we'll be doing well to win this because you just don't win six old firm games in a row it just doesn't happen um, so you, you, you kind of doubt it but it goes back to what I was saying earlier on about whatever you want to call it hubris, overconfidence or just a tacit knowledge that you're, you're better than your opponent that's what happened because in the moments Gascoigne and Loudrop made it and um, they, they, they raise you above mediocrity that second goal I think it's a very underrated goal because as you say it was two, one, two, three one touches yeah, for the inside in half, and then the next thing you've got a guy breaking through, and the last guy, if you're the opponent, one break through, Ryan Loudrop. No. And it's a great, it's actually a great finish. So, um, I, th- th- this really burst their bubble because I think any lingering belief that they had in the stands or on the pitch were blown away that day because we weren't even playing that way on, and we still put it in the cup. Easter Sunday, John, it's quite nice from what I remember. I was there right behind the goal as well. Uh, as Loudrop lobbed that ball over. Um, 
and I, I was doing work experience with the Rangers News the week after it, so it was a bit of a joy, um, just that, that whole thing. Not so much the Wednesday night against Hearts right enough. Um, would you agree? I, I think this is underrated, this game. I think that goal's underrated. I think it's devastating, absolutely devastating. Um, but we're obviously going to go into 96-97, where the Old Firm League games are going to be so important, and Rangers win them all. I think the route is there. I think this this I think this is a deadly blow to to the belief around Burns within that that dressing room within that support because Andy's right. I mean, have you gone? Can you remember going six games or, or more without defeat? Yeah, I would say we probably did it from oh, September seventy four, and then we don't lose again until. Oh, um, it would be November 76. So there is a purple patch with the first uh, Premier League where we go through... Oh, mm. This is when I started going to league games where it's six or seven, but it's highly unusual. and Definitely highly unusual for us. I'm not sh- it might have been the other way when Greg yeah, was the manager. Sure. But, I mean, the other thing, I think they, they were tied into all these emotionally. That high top that there have been five games, sooner or later they're going to win. What that hides was the two Ibrooks games we should have won, yeah. you know, with the goal chopped off in the three each. And then, you know, they get the late equaliser and then we go up. So the two Ibrooks games they actually got away with. And I think they also associated with Scottish Cup. They have a very good record against us. They do. Easter Sunday, boy, do they love this, mm. you know, going back through the whatever history, well, not their history, you know, and tying it in. And we'd lost, I think, Easter Sunday's probably the last soonest as old firm games, those mm-hmm. two. So the, there's all these emotions and, you know, the Scottish Cup, they still think it's the thing they cling to. And I love this game. It was just so clinical. It just highlighted... It was almost like the way people would praise Liverpool the past two seasons about, you know, out of possession, the pre- not saying we pressed, but when we got the ball, we did something with it. When they get the ball, they huffed and puffed. I mean, it really was running around. And I mean, the goal from Loudrop is majestic, but even the first goal, yeah. you know, Roberts getting played in, cutting in, curling it, McCoy's just coming in. I think we always had it. And I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was super confident before the game because it is fifty-fifty. You know, you don't know whether that refereeing decision or whatever. But as soon as McCoy puts us up, and then we go into the second, you just think, Nah, they, they're not doing it. Of course, we switch off. We let them back into it so they can cling to something late on that if only. But I mean, this is just the culmination of Burns letting his emotions take over him, hmm. and also communicate to the team, the same for the January, your own break will break my heart, or whatever. What is that saying to your team? I mean, as a manager, you have to... Saying it's over. No matter what you're feeling, you have to put a different plan, either complain about referees, or say... Well, not far away. Back. Yeah, whatever. And this is just... I mean, 2 one for. I would say flatter them. I think if we needed to win by three or four, win by three or four that day, we probably could have. But we just we got the second goal and then we were back to blowing cigars again and we let one in. But 
I mean, you look at the two teams. I mean, this particularly, they seem to have a team full of fullbacks who aren't really fullbacks. You know, Mike mm-hmm. Mara and Grant, I'm assuming, play somewhere in the midfield. And you're just looking at this, their team, and thinking, there's no quality, there's no real shape. You know, you've got Midget McLaughlin and is it Donnelly on the other side? Mm. And you're just thinking, you, you just look at it, if you look at it in cold, hard facts, which you can't do in old firm, particularly in a build up, but looking back at it, you just think, was, was it ever really, really going to be any result? They've got away with, as I say, the, the two Ibrox games. games. They get away with two draws when it should be chances, everything else. We should have won both of those. And it should have been, you know, they should have been looking down the barrel of the fifth fifth defeat in six games. Yeah. But, I mean, six games in the season, they can't win. It just, it just breaks them. And it, it, but Burns is, thankfully, he's not the right guy for that kind of thing. Because you have to be almost like Walter, you know, when the bad times come, slowly phase. You don't give sure weaknesses that the other people can, the other side can see. Well, look what happens when you do this. Yeah, because it just feeds into that uh, fatalism, um, uh, I suppose. I think it was, that Celtic team is just just too many, too many attacking players, too many ball players on on the field, and it it, it just wasn't pragmatic. But you know, we've talked about that before. And they we quite worked for super. Um, Real renaissance season with genuine concerns that you know the, the summer before that you know he's never really going to get back 23 goals in all competitions by the end. Um, and he's popping up when it absolutely matters. And when that when Marshall doesn't deal with that ball and it's not right to his feet, you know, there's still a wee bit of work to do, but you don't care, it's you're celebrating that before he's even touched it. Proved a lot of people wrong, McCoy, this season because um, you're still in our transfer uh, heyday, shall I call it yeah. that, where we're linked with the very best strikers that are around Europe and beyond. And it just keeps going. And I mean, the goals are crucial. I mean, we spoke about the hat trick at Starts Park, but it just keeps popping up with key goals and it is it's just irrepressible. And um, I think it's testament to McCoy. When you look back at it now, for him, the easy, easy thing would have been for him to check out and do what he did at Camaro earlier. Mm. I know he had nothing left to prove at Rangers, but he kept on going and in a team that could have been reshaped every year or, or you know, the, or the key positions could have been reshaped every year, he kept giving the manager and the fans for that matter food for thought. You just can't argue with his goals and, and the key the, when he scores yeah. them, these aren't the third yeah. goal and a three nothing victory. These are big, big goals. This is and that's just been his stock and trade. You can go back to that 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 only goal at, at Parkhead's um the first all for game of the season and the, the, the League Cup. Um, just just popping yeah. up absolutely when it matters. Um fair to say I think the boys had a few um Sherberts after um that win and you know they, they faltered at, at Tynecastle. Um a big response at Ibrox that the following weekend, a 5 0 win over Thistle. Bo Anderson scored a hat trick, um, but it's Loudrop that was actually um, grabbing the headlines. He didn't score, but he's, he's just involved in everything. He played a wee bit more central, a wee bit closer to Gascoigne. Again, we're getting glimpses into something that, that, that's going to happen uh, in the season finale, I suppose. The only test, potential 
moment uh, was on the 20th of April when Rangers travelled to Fur Park, a place where they'd already dropped points this season and in four of the previous six seasons. You know, no one has to remember, uh, remind us about 1991, of course. Um, Celtic won comfortably at home to Falkirk, I guess, in the hope that, that, that history repeated itself. But Rangers took five minutes. Um, to go ahead against um, Motherwell, Stuart McCall, um, standing in for Richard Goff still as, as skipper. Um, great drive, um, or he had been standing in, sorry. Um, Bo Anderson gets one um, before half-time to make it comfortable, and then Gascoigne and Loudrop, um, who else, combine to put it to bed. Um, another huge hurdle cleared and unless their great rivals slipped up again on the Saturday which they didn't Rangers now just needed one win from the final two league matches to win the title and so to Ibrook Stadium Sunday the 28th of April for arguably the greatest match winning individual performance that the old place has ever seen 19 and a half minutes gone now still no scoring here at Ibrook Stadium perhaps a chance for the Dons and it's Goff who's here in the serving! And Aberdeen sensationally take the lead! Well, Goff will be unhappy that he failed to get that cross away. Here's Gascoigne now, can he produce some magic? Still it's Gascoigne! Oh yes! A tremendous goal by Gascoigne! The perfect reply from Paul Within two minutes, it's Rangers one, Aberdeen one. It's been very evenly balanced. Here's Gascoigne now, pushing forward, showing great determination. from the penalty spot last week is Gascoigne who's going to take this one and Gascoigne has already scored from the penalty spot this is the hat-trick of the championship <laughs> 86 minutes gone and Rangers have won the championship OK, I know you're going to say it was never in doubt, blah, blah, blah. But Aberdeen have caused his problems in Glasgow. That league game was horrific. They'd knocked us out the cup at Parkhead. And I guess Celtic fans, neutrals, Tommy Burns on his little um, social jaunt to Loch Lomond that afternoon would have had their interest peaked uh, when Brian Irvin put them ahead. Um, and who knows if the minutes had passed and passed and passed before the equaliser and the tension really built up, uh, it might have been intolerable, Rangers might have stuttered but perhaps he would have just done something special anyway because this was his season um, in the end it only took Gascoigne two minutes to get to get Rangers level um, an incredible goal um, touch and awareness and strength I make that the eighth time that Gascoigne had scored a solo goal that we would remember forever if he hadn't just 
kept matching it and bettering it the next time. And in this game, obviously, it came um, it came later on in the second half um, and was voted, of course, on this network as the greatest ever Rangers goal of all time um, back in 2018. <sighs> I mean, there's, there's nothing left to say about it, really. It, it, it just made a team sport completely redundant for a few seconds. Those who got near him were just shoved off. Those who didn't, I think, were too fearful to, to, to even try. It was just a gas-going goal. Um, but it was such a goal when it was needed. Ten minutes left to, to go and win the, the, the league title. He wanted off. He was pleading to come off because he was just shattered. And then he got this second wind. Um I don't think there's been a more fitting way to, to win the championship. It was, of course, sealed with that third, that penalty. Um, and there's McNee on commentary, and he messes up. I don't think he realises what he's, he's, the overall significance. He tries to get the words in, this is for the hat-trick in the championship, out before the ball actually hits the net. Um, and this guy who's who's leading the media's, the nation's score, and he has led it from day one, um, was in place to, to, to narrate this conclusion to, to one of the most impressive individual seasons in, in the Scottish game. Um, he's calling the next week. Gaz and I spoke our first words amicably to one another on the Sunday after the title decider. So now I'm lifting my ban on him. That was it. 25 words and one sentence at the very end of his first column after one of the most remarkable performances in the, the history of the Scottish game. And even then, enough room for some self-aggrandisement. Um, um, I mean, this relationship's going to sour even further. Um, and McNee and his column, and it's not this season, it's the following season that he starts to refer to him, starts to refuse to refer to him as Gascoigne. And just as the more kind of dehumanising number eight. Um Maybe poignant then, at that moment, where McNeese commentating on this this hat trick that Gascoigne pulls the jersey over his head. He can't be seen other um, than that, that that number eight. Now, the title of this chapter, the title of this this group of pods is called Number Eight. It's obviously a play on the the, the title win, um, and I wanted to talk about McNeese and, and this this antagonism towards Gascoigne. Someone um, sent me a message and love the show, but do you think that's that's right that we you know you use that um that heading because it's understandable it left a kind of bitter taste for Rangers fans to 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 see i wonder if it's time to reclaim it um we've had greats play for this club um we've talked about greatest 11s but i think there's only one definitive rangers number 8 um 19 goals nearly as many bookings right enough you'd have to go back to Alan McCoist for a first season at rangers with more and then you add in the assists and the assists and the assists and the big moment. Um, and I think the life he gave back to this flagging and complacent Rangers dressing room. Loudrop didn't do that. Gascoigne did. Um, I'll say it. I don't think there's ever been a Rangers player with a season like this. Discuss Andy first. Certainly not a debut season, put it that way. Nah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the impact was. I mean, the impact was huge before he'd even signed for us. If you remember how how we we, we had a a wee burst at the end of the, the season before, and there's cardboard cutout guys in the ground before we even signed them. Walter Smith talks about character a lot, and he, I remember him referring to like Sam Russo and the fact that you know it's not just about football ability; it's about character, and, and you have to be able to bring that to play for Rangers and. 
I think amongst the goals and assists and the magical, magical moments it gives us, there was the character as well because for all he's a, a joke and a clown, um, there is moments in this season where he digs very deep along with his teammates and he's not found wanting. And I think that sometimes he's washed away amongst all the, the kind of things that we remember. He, he had a wee bit of steeliness about him at times. This was probably his best footballing season domestically anyway. And um, I think we, he should get credit for that because the McNee thing, McNee was clever. I think, I think he was more clever than we're probably giving him credit for. I think he knew that this was box office to do what he was doing in his, in his column. And of course, this is when a column in a Sunday newspaper actually made something. Mm. You know, it was it was um, it was big news, literally. He also had I can't remember the name of the show. Martin made a, a there was a midweek show late at night about was it Sport and Question? Sport and Question. I think yeah. Sport and Question. Cheered by Archie McPherson. Mm. McNeil was McNeil was actually dynamite on that, and and had a grudging respect for him. But it, it kind of sometimes tipped over into Venom when it came to to Gascoigne, and it made it more sweet when he did things like this because you could not question the absolute genius that was on display that day. Um, I mean, that's a, that, that goal, um, so that would be the equaliser, yeah, the first goal. That's one of my favourite of our Rangers yeah. goals because it's just magical the way he beats the man, the wee chop and goes into a territory that just looks impossible and then scoops it into the net and the goalkeeper's just standing there. It's incredible. And even watching that, um, the, the highlights back in preparation for this, the way he moves with the ball and the way he just glides without apparent pace, it's just poetic. And it, and it's something I'll never forget as a Rangers fan. Watching Gascoigne was one of the highlights. So probably the highlight, um, him and Loudrop, I've got to say, probably the highlight of my uh, Rangers support because I don't think I'll ever see players better, never mind no. the same team. And that day just apparently. Come back to that wee point in a minute. John, you've seen some some greats. Um this this show that that day again it's cometh the man in it. It cometh ever cometh the man. Um it's it's not just doing it in a five 0 drubbing of Motherwell. Um these are the moments, this is the stage and again for a season especially a debut season, I, I don't think there's a stronger one. The numbers, the importance, given what you had to come back from, because it was a time where, where fans were, were losing patience as much as um, a lot of the, the, the kind of fourth estate was. Um, I don't think it's been surpassed. No, I don't think it's been surpassed. I mean, trying to go back through, as you said, McCoy's to the great, that initial season, but we weren't great, although he did score. The only one, and it's more about impact, you might throw into the mix would be Butcher, 86, 87. Hmm. Uh, and that's it. That's more impact. The stats won't back it up. But the, you they know, never the do for defenders. Or do they? The belief. Yeah. I mean, it, it, but that's in a different context. This is, it's also held by the season we have. I mean, let's be honest. We do the double and we're in the midst of talking about three games in six weeks in mm. terms of the Cup semi, the final, and this game, which are just three of the best games that you could ever wish to see. And we have, you know, all of them at once, Gascoigne's playing. And I think it's, even at the seasons after this, 
I think we're getting talked a lot about this. Maybe the last time we were really, really being talked a lot about in England because of Euro '96 coming yeah. up, because of Gascoigne. It's Sky that does the cup semi, you know, and it's the. I think Richard Keyes is there. Charlie Nicholas is looking bloody hell. Um, quite the character, but I think all of that throws in the mix, and that you can't take it away from his stats and everything else. But the whole theatre of that season, or particularly the post-Christmas period, suddenly put everything on because it just brings everything alive. And his goals. and I mean, I went to that game against Aberdeen. I was confident we were going to win the league, but it wouldn't surprise me if we dropped points mm-hmm. against Aberdeen and had to win it the following week. I mean, at that point, even if we'd lost the last two games, I wasn't convinced that Celtic would have won their last game. To, to overtake it but to do it in such a manner as you say with the goals and it just it was memorable it was, it seemed, a lot of sunny days in Scotland that, that <laughs> yeah, spring is yeah, not yeah there really 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 is um, I, I take the, the, the Butcher point I I don't think you can extricate Butcher from Woods and Graham Souness um, from from impact and confidence and, and, and whatever else um, and I've already mentioned I think Gordon Petridge is a very underrated signing this season just in terms of what he can give to Smith's unit um, but you know go and, go and listen to the shows four weeks ago um, even with Loudrop giving us some aesthetic joy it's still a pretty poor disjointed uh, Rangers team and he just turns on all the lights I've never seen anything like it um, before, I've never seen anything like it since. Interestingly, only 72% of Rangers fans agreed with the Scottish writers and the Scottish professional footballers in terms of um, their player of the year and fall of all. Uh, Andy Gorham to 11%. Um, and best midfielders, um, Stuart McCall with 18% of the vote. Um, Brian Lowdrop had won 100% the previous season. But I think this w- tells you more about the Rangers team at that point. This is a good team season. There are there are performances, there are people coming back, McCall and Ferguson being being two, McCoy's being another, Goff, Gorham, right back into form. Um, concerns with with some, if not all of those, that we'd maybe seen the the last of those heroes. And you know, Rangers fans love that that group, especially um, group of Scots and and, and and Rangers fans. Even John Brown coming through with a, a real kind of career encore um, at, at the very end um, so there's so many David Robertson as well so many parts to this season that are just um, just coming into play and I think that comes to fruition the the, the, the couple of weeks later or three weeks later for the, the Scottish Cup final um, disappointment for one of those players Alan McCoyst um, ruled out um, right at the, the, the death of um, selection for that um, Scottish Cup final and McCoyst cut a very disconsolate figure weirdly when the, the title winning um, lap of honour um, a lot of chat was he going to sign this new con- uh, contract or not um, you know what, what I say, 20 goals, another league medal is this the, 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 the time to kind of bow out Rangers, you get the, the shadow of Jardel but not only that, you get Gianluca Vialli with whom David Murray and, and Walter Smith had met in Turin um, middle of April um, he did obviously go to Chelsea then, you get Carl uh, Heinz Riedler, Mikael Beck Oliver Bierhoff um, you've got some of the best strikers in Europe being talked to being chased um, and therefore what, what's going to happen to Ali he does sign a new deal as does someone else um, 
Brian Laudrup, for whom the final is most remembered. Jury to Laudrup. That's good running by Laudrup, a chance here for Rangers. Like Gascoigne's domination of the season, um, I feel it a wee bit unfair that Loudrop kind of owns this match um, because it's a truly, truly superb Rangers performance. I would say it's the pinnacle of Walter Smith's time in charge in terms of sheer quality, balance, expression. Um, I think for Smith and Sunis, Cup Finals had been about one thing only, and that's that's results. Um, We'd either won by one goal, we'd lost by one goal, or that 87 League Cup final, we'd obviously drew and in, in, in won in penalties. Smith's finals were garbage, save for the McCoist overhead kick. That, that Hibs game was alright, but the two ones and obviously that 1-0 defeat against Dundee United, they were poor spectacles. He didn't care, he was there just to, to, to pick up medals. And maybe because hearts are confident, there's a natural youthful exuberance, and then Gary Locke gets injured early on, and they haven't really prepared for that. Um, maybe that makes it a more open game anyway. But Rangers are just fun. And the movement of Jury and Loudrop, not playing with a striker, hearts don't know where to go, they're coming deep in that, that, that first Loudrop goal, a perfect example of that. They don't know how to pick up, they don't know how to do it. Obviously, the Rousset mistake opens the floodgates, and then, you know, um, Jury has that, that, that hat trick. Um, but it's a genuine team performance. Gascoigne ran the game in a deeper role than normal, but more of a quarterback. Ferguson and McCall are, are superb in support. Um, Cleland, especially Robertson, getting forward. And even John Brown, um, who drills a shot wide. If you watch it again, the passing move for that, that would have been one of the greatest goals um, in, in Rangers history if he'd, if he'd finished that. It was just... It didn't flatter us, that 5-1, at all. Um, but I, I think it was just a, an absolute Saturday afternoon where we, we reveled, Andy. It was just fun. It was absolute fun. It was a carnival. Uh, uh, that's my recollection. So I was in the, the main stand, the kind of seated enclosure in the front with my dad. And the guys beside us had 
hip flasks and it was Gleevar. I'd never tasted Gleevar in my, my life. So every time I hear Gleevar, I think of this final and every time I see this final, I think of Gleevar. And it was, I don't know if it was because what happened, you know, the weeks before and the way we'd won the league and you're just in this eternal um, optimism of nine in a row, ten in a row and you're watching Gascoigne in a loud drop. But I remember that game was just I mean, you you described it as fun. I've never thought a football game with it's so much at stake. It's fun, but you're no, right. No. That's what it was because I think there was an expectation that we were a we were going to win the game, but the way the game was going, you know, Locke got injured. It's clearly <laughs> see Lloyd was in the mood. It was a case of actually we're going to be entertained today, and we were just the, 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 the team were just humming. They were just going well, and you could see. The, for the first minute something was going to happen here <clears throat> it's a brilliant day I remember it vividly and loud drop I mean are you saying we shouldn't call it a loud drop final because I don't know why you're saying it because of the jury thing no I don't think it's just because it, no I get it right he was he was sublime and Rangers the previous the, the Aberdeen game uh, we were nervy and we weren't that brilliant um and Gascoigne is short like head and shoulders above anyone else in the pitch that day I think Loudrop's sublime but I don't think he's I don't think the difference is is, is that great I mean you get someone scoring a hat trick I mean Jury had missed about three chances before then right enough I just think it's a wee bit unfair on the the, the the performance because when we call it that it's as if it's this this complete virtuoso and the rest of the, the team have been pretty flat or whatever from 1 to 11. Rangers are superb that day. And I, I, don't, I don't think, I don't think the team gets the credit it deserves for that performance. No, I, th- I think you're right. But, but see, when you watch a football player and, you, and you're like, he's in the zone. You know, mm. you, you know mm. when you see a football player who is at the absolute top of his game and feeling it, you know, they're just so so much confidence flooding through them. And, and that was louder that day. And when he was in that kind of mood, there was nothing better to watch on a football park than, than him and the flicks and the tricks and the the speed and oh, it was just you know yeah I, I kind of think in bear I think that's why it was because it was undeniable when you're watching it that he was he was superb and really did a wee point to prove because of what happened with Gasly but it was um, I mean <laughs> Jury I mean Jury's goal is a brilliant goal I know fantastic I know. goal it's a brilliant goal and Loudrop is and, just uh, to- he's toying with the hearts of knackered Paul Ritchie just he looks like can you please just give us a break because um, Loudrop is just he's actually quite sadistic at yeah uh, no all the lights were on John for us um, you wouldn't have known that judging by Walter's face at the end as he watched his team go up to, to collect um, the Scottish Cup um, his 13th trophy his third double I would say the finest 90 minutes of a Walter Smith team ever um, but he looks stone faced um, because he knows and Hazel Irvin knows when she grabs him afterwards and does the usual platitudes, oh, you must be very pleased, blah, blah, blah. Right, what's next? It's all about next season. Who's coming? And he can't, it's almost as if, as if he can't enjoy it. He's talked in the in the run-up to that, that league, the Old Firm League game, the last one, that we meeting people at supporters' functions saying, I can't wait to celebrate 10 in a row. And he says, they've just assumed, you know, the rest, that this pressure is absolutely intolerable. Um, and he might have been the only Rangers fan in the stadium that, that, that wasn't enjoying it, we all were I'm not sure that we were we were aware 
that this was aesthetically perhaps as 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 high as this era got, certainly in terms of the two virtuosos, because we're talking about Viali that day in the stands. We're talking about who's next. We're expecting another summer of the kind of um, excitement and sensation that we had in 1995. And maybe we didn't appreciate it at the time, because this, certainly for Walter Smith, is, 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 I think, as good as it got. And we will not see two players like this ever again. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from uh, in terms of good as it got. I think maybe there's a slight generational. I think when you watch some of the teams <laughs> that I did in the early 80s or whatever, and then even some of the guys in the 60s, you know if you've been watching Rangers for 20, 30, 40 years that you don't get two players of that quality on the pitch very often, if at all. Mm. I mean, we're talking once in a generation is definitely, um, what would you say, the maximum you're going to get. And, and it's really whether those two can continue in the following season, but the level Gascoigne was at, and also, I mean, you talked to it right at the very beginning, it struck me about, you know, we got, we as a support got Gascoigne. And then just now you were going on just about how, shall we say, the revitalisation, the energy for some of McCoy, Brown, you know, these guys almost having the renaissance. I think it wasn't just the fans on the terraces, but I think some of the guys in the pitch responded in a similar manner. Yeah. And it brought out the best in them. You know, you're talking about Gorham, McCoy, so we're in a bit of doldrums and things, you know, injuries, whatever, and suddenly the, this guy creating mayhem, but obviously in a way that they like. And that takes on. And Also, Smith is doing what you would expect Bums to do. You know, you meet triumph and disaster the same way or whatever mm. uh, Mike Bassett said. Um, <laughs> Um, but it is that stony face of, okay, I know we're brilliant, I want to go back inside, but let's not give anybody any, you know, watching this, right, we're going to take that thing. I think there is pressure, but he's known this pressure for two or three years. He gets really pissed <laughs> off. He gets pissed off at Hazel Irvin. He, he, he breaks uh, that. It's like, yeah. come on, give, let, just enjoy this. And that's the thing, and we're going to talk about it a lot, in the, the, the next set of episodes how little other than final whistles we actually enjoyed that season because the pressure cooker was just too because all of this if there's a slip up next season doesn't matter and that's how ridiculous Scottish football is, it's ridiculous how Rangers allowed, or what could we have done differently is maybe something we can get into but um, we could enjoy it maybe that afternoon but we are thinking ahead because you're caught up in something, since five in a row, we're caught up in something bigger. And it's, it is a shame that you just can't, the players are, I mean, Gascoigne and Loudrop have a, an embrace, which I think is just beautiful, and the fans are, but, you know, get the Euros on for a bit, and then it's, it's, it's the season of destiny. And Smith does bristle at, at Hazel quite a wee bit. And I think that's a good point, John, about, I, I am speaking, probably projecting from, 
from my position in the north stand that day. Um, this is incredible, but can't wait to see Viali here and 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 whoever else um, because you know we are we're moving now. We're reinvigorated and and you know Europe uh, tough draw. We'll know you know chances are we'll get an easier one next year and and kind of you know move on. Sometimes you just need to stop, and <laughs> that's the 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 naivety of youth, I guess, and just enjoy the moment because I'm not sure there have been um, many better than than that 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 afternoon. Anyway, that's a double boys. Thank you, John. Well, uh, thank you. No, that was perfect. It is one of those. There's very few to end the seasons that you that are just perfect and always. Probably half seventy six is maybe the only other one where everything falls in place and you can enjoy a cup final. So no, thanks for thanks for having me and Andy on for part four of this one. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, man. I'm away to dream of Loudrop Gascoigne gliding around the park and toying with defenders and passing boys into the there were good times, I and mean, you know, more of these players surely would follow. If it wasn't Viali, it would be someone else. Somehow, the Rangers supported Hamden that day, and all through the season, couldn't fully appreciate what they were watching. They were taking it for granted. The mojo had returned, and the push was on for the next stage of the development. Now that the laws had relaxed, the sky was seemingly the limit. Little did many realise that there was a new glass ceiling in place, not one dictated by unlawful directives, but by the power of market forces, television draw, and an unrelenting pace of professionalism elsewhere. How many really cared about Europe in any case? How much was all talk from the chairman to the stands? A tabloid poll of the time asked Rangers fans if they would rather set a new domestic sequence or win the Champions League, the peak of footballing achievement in the next two years. The result was conclusive and shouldn't have come as a surprise to anyone listening to the new favourite song in honour of their new favourite player. Gaza wasn't here to make Rangers champions of Europe. Gaza was here for ten in a row. Until next time, bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.